Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Revenue Rebels, the podcast that brings marketing and sales rebels together to share their stories and thinking on all topics related to accelerating revenue generating activities in the B2B world. On this show, we talk about the strategic vision of marketing-led customer experience that unleashes the combined power of technology, content, and data. Are you ready to rebel? Let's get into the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Revenue Rebels. I am really excited to be talking with our guest today, who has been called a marketer of the future. She has been described as an adventurer, scientist, and an artist in the field of marketing, where she's been using her experiences and learning towards a sort of all-in-one type of revenue marketing. Very excited to have Shannon Dougal on the show. She is the head of marketing at DevFacto right now, and she's also held similar roles at Uberflip and Shift CRM. Welcome, Shannon. I'm really happy to have you on the show. Thank you. I am so excited for being here. Um, I'm honored, I have to say, to be included with some of today's most amazing revenue rebels. It's it's so humbling. And I'm also super excited to be talking to you because I think kindred spirits need to get together and talk about the possibilities that marketing can have in the future. So cool. Thank you. Glad to hear that. And I absolutely agree. Couldn't agree more. And especially now, we do need to, I think, be talking about the future, looking forward. Um, And you know what I'd love to be able to do, though, quickly as as a tiny step back is I'd love to take a little look at your history. You know, a lot of our listeners know this. You may already know we really do focus on highlighting marketing and sales leaders who are, I would say, rebels in their field for a variety of reasons. Um, So before we get into sort of the meat of what we're going to talk about today, I would love to know what sort of defines you as a rebel or or what in your past has has shaped you into the marketing person that you are today? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess I've always been a bit of a marketing change agent. Um, I've always been a hand raiser, much to my parents and Professor Chagrin, Um, you know. (laughs) I've, I'm always wondering, you know, why things are the way they are, if there's a better way to do it, if I'm not satisfied with the answer, I begin to look for alternatives. And um, when I was in university, I had uh, landed a fantastic job for the summer at the Department of National Defense. And uh, this was many years ago. So I was working in the tech department and my role was to come in and do an inventory of all the hardware throughout National Defense. And I had a had a paper, a clipboard, and a pen. And I went around and crawled underneath desks and took down numbers and then would go back and put that into a spreadsheet. And I thought to myself, this seems like such an archaic way to do things. There's got to be an easier way. (laughs) So they brought me back the following summer because they're very happy with my writing ability and data entry. And um, they brought me back. And I had said during the interview process, you know, is there a way that we could look at maybe putting this into a system, into like automating this a little bit more. And uh, they were very happy to send me on some coding programs. And so I spent a month of my summer learning how to code. And the next month, building out a an inventory management database using C++. And I thought, this is the coolest thing. Like, this is life-changing. It is 
taking technology and cutting my work into half. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so as the years progressed, my job was to come in, do this inventory, but also to improve on the way that we use technology to help with efficiency within the Department of National Defense. And I thought this was the coolest thing ever. Now, I wasn't studying technology. I wasn't studying business. I, I was actually studying politics and law. And I quickly realized after those summers that I had a a passion for technology and the possibilities that can come out of it. And so I actually decided to not pursue my career in law, but to move into the world of tech. And that's when I, you know, entered this space and I was amazed by the way that technology companies and thought leaders in the space approached the world. They were always looking for innovative ways to do something different, to do something better. And that was so exciting to me. That's kind of what carved out my path to working in the tech space and software and IT. Having said that, though, I would say that when I started marketing in tech, um, marketing itself was not very innovative. It was, you know, Mm -hmm. product slicks and press releases and events, and it was anything but innovative. (laughs) But having said that, I do think that, you know, there was opportunity to change the way that we had, had done things in marketing. And it wasn't until probably 2005, 2006, where my entire world changed. So I wasn't just a marketer inside a tech industry now. I became a innovative marketer within the tech space. And I started, I was working at a startup company called Watchfire at the time in Ottawa. And um, they were very progressive. They had a very strong demand gen program in place. It was quite successful. Uh, They were primed for innovation, um, not just from a company perspective, but from a marketing perspective. And um, I could see that we were we were only held back by by the human capital within the organization. So we couldn't do anything more because, you know, we had a strong marketing team, but there were only so many people that could do so many things within the time frame of a day. Mm-hmm. And I started to look into different possibilities and I came across another startup company called Eloqua. And they had promised me that I could solve my exact problem. I could scale and automate my marketing so that it could grow and become a bit more predictable. And I was very intrigued by this possibility. And because Watchfire was an innovative company, they were super happy to to let me adopt this technology and implement it at Watchfire. And this was a game changer. Marketing automation was a game changer as far as I could see it. And I mean, this gave me the opportunity to have a seat at the table. I was no longer considered a cost center within the organization. I could demonstrate, you know, that that marketing can have an impact on pipeline. It can have an impact on on the bottom line and that we can scale our programs and and grow our leads. And it was super successful. We did see revenue growth and and we also were acquired at the same time by IBM. (laughs) So there was a lot happening at that time. Um, but, and the, the thing that I had learned, you know, I've been in, you know, working for over 20 years, I learned quickly that I love technology. I love the innovative ways that, that companies approach, uh, you know, the future when you're looking at a technology space, I loved marketing. And now I, I was seeing that there was a an opportunity, a 
potential for marketing to become an innovative organization within a company. And that's what, I guess, paved the way for me in my career. I wanted to work for companies that were like-minded. I wanted to share with the world this new potential for marketing. And, um, and I think that it was, you know, this, this became my passion and, I, and made me even more of a, I guess, revenue rebel, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't imagine organizations not adopting a revenue marketing model where you look at revenue from a holistic perspective. And so that's, that's sort of, you know, what drove me through to, to where I am today. I, Mm -hmm. so I'm at DeFacto now. I thought this was, you know, such an interesting company. The first thing that attracted me to the organization was their tagline that we make software that humans love to use. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, humanizing technology is so amazing. This demonstrates empathy, but also the ability of digital. And uh, but even more so than that, you know, their company's built on an innovative nature. They've designed even just their office space around having an innovative mindset. Every uh, business problem that they approach, they look at it um, from an ideation perspective. What can we do? Where are the opportunities and how can we fix it with digital? So that's, I mean, that's kind of my career in a nutshell. Got it. Okay. So you said earlier, speaking with kindred kindred spirits, and I can completely relate to that, myself having a different background, heading into marketing, um, but falling in love with it, actually, honestly, when I was in high school in a marketing class, yeah, I was 16 years old and I was just like, this is incredible. And I can tell you there was zero technology related to it when I was 16 <laughs> years old. And now though, it's just been, in, it, to me, it's been an, a fantastic journey to watch it go from those early days of marketing automation. I also deployed, mm-hmm. um, you know, my first connection with marketing automation was Marketo. Uh, deployed that in 2008, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just seeing, it's like kind of feeling like there's got to be a better way. And also right. getting really sort of seeing those immediate benefits. Um, and then also seeing the growth and expansion since then of what is possible. Um, it's getting more and more technical. Um, it's getting more and more uh, demanding. Um, but also we're really able to prove the revenue impact. With that, how do you, how do you think about or define revenue marketing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's interesting because I feel like the term has been around for quite some time and maybe yeah. the definition has evolved as time go- has gone on. But I think that, you know, I'm, I'm really thrilled to see that it's it's starting to gain traction. But having said that, I've, I've had many conversations with, with marketers uh, around what they feel revenue marketing means to them. And I hear things like it's a repeatable program to help drive revenue into the funnel, or, you know, it's um, measuring marketing based on revenue influence. And yes, I completely agree that, that those are aspects of revenue marketing, but the way that I approach um, revenue marketing and how I define it is that I think it's, it's a holistic approach. And I think it starts with 
aligning your entire organization to the customer experience from the very first touch to, you know, ongoing delighted customers um, and everything in between. So, you know, how do you align your marketing, your sales, your customer success, your product team to the customer experience? And I do think that it it goes beyond this, however. Um, I think that it's important to note that it's not just about improving the customer experience, but you also have to think about how it contributes to a mutually beneficial outcome. So when I'm looking at revenue marketing, I kind of connect the dots between uh, the, the customer experience or the buyer experience and what they have with the organization to revenue and a customer lifetime value. Mm -hmm. And I I think if I was to even get a little bit more granular, because that does seem, you know, a bit high level, I think that you look at it from uh, three areas. I think it needs to be buyer centric. I think it needs to be revenue centric. And I think it needs to be integrated and orchestrated. And I'll just quickly touch on what I think each of those mean. Um, I think when I'm talking about like buyer centric, it's about aligning all of our activities, marketing and sales um, to the buyer and their buying process, which makes sense um, and, and has always been like that. But I think it's about, you know, developing the right content and programs and systems that do align across the entire buying process. So, you know, we're no longer just looking at marketing is responsible for the top of the funnel and then we punt over a lead to sales and they're responsible in their own way for the bottom of the funnel. I think that it's it's more about, you know, making sure that we work together as a cohesive revenue unit to map out this buyer journey and to align all of our interactions um, across the entire buyer journey. And this means, which is crazy that we're still talking about this today, but it is still happening. It means eliminating one-off marketing campaigns that revolve around it, like a particular asset or event. So, you know, here's my ebook, here's my campaign, and here are the leads that came from it. Everything has to be integrated. Um, We have to map out that journey so that we understand what the inflection points are. Why would a customer come to us? What are their pain points at the beginning of their experience with our organization? What type of information are they looking for? How can we help them get to the next stage? At that next stage, what are the questions that they're asking of us? How are we helping them? And I think that if if you look at it from the, a buyer center perspective, you, you have the early stages of a revenue marketing uh, organization. But, you know, revenue is in the title and <laughs> I think it should also be oriented towards revenue. So when I say that, I mean that everything marketing does has to deliver revenue and maximize the customer lifetime value, not just focus on leads and conversion rates. It has to go beyond that. Um, I think that, you know, it, it requires a strategic and an outcome oriented perspective. Uh, if we're all aligned to the same objectives within the organization, we will all work towards those objectives together. Um, you know, I think that from like, looking at it from identifying and qualifying and converting buyers in a repeatable, predictable, and pragmatic fashion across the entire buyer journey is what would get you to a revenue-oriented organization. No siloed approach to uh, X number of MQLs, X number of, you know, uh, sales accepted leads or whatever the case is. You need to look at it holistically, although those numbers are important. They don't dictate the complete outcome. Um, And then the last thing I would say was that integrated and orchestrated, I think this just means that you need to have a sequence of engagement. I talked about mapping out the buyer journey and aligning content to each buyer persona at every stage of the buyer journey. But I think that you need to actually build out these sequences of engagement, of nurturing, of conversion paths, and, and create a series of steps that's closely managed and optimized and ultimately leads to revenue. Um, 
you know, but I think the ultimate goal here is to ensure that the buyers have a seamless, cohesive buying experience that as an organization, you're achieving your revenue goals and that, you know, the ultimate end is that you are constantly delivering value to your customers. So that's my, that's the way I look at revenue marketing. I mean, I, I do feel like you've been, you and I have a sort of certainly been living in the same place in the same sort of headspace <laughs> and, 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 uh, working through this, um, in tandem in a way. So I, I would absolutely agree with you. And, and a lot of that actually comes in. It's funny because some of this even reminds me a little bit of what we wrote in, in, um, change agents, a book that, that, um, Eric and I wrote uh, a couple of years ago. What I, would like to know now, Shannon, as you've taken on this role in, in at DevFacto, um, how are you rolling this out? You don't need to, to sort of go into the deep details and, and air all of the dirty laundry of, of your company, because I'm sure all of our listeners are like, huh, yeah, I'd love to see that happen at my company. Um, <laughs> but we know that it's possible. I've seen it happen. It can take time. It's not something that can happen overnight. It depends a lot on the culture of a company. It depends a lot on the vision of, of the leadership, the CEO, the, the CMO, the CFO, the CRO, right? I mean, all, all of these folks have to come together and really believe in, in something like this. So tell me a little bit about your experience at DevFacto and, and how you're rolling something like this out. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's... Like I said before, de facto is uh, certainly open to innovation and change. So they are well positioned to adopt, um, you know, a transformation in marketing like this over to a revenue perspective. They, you know, they've done quite well. They're well branded and uh, across Canada and, um, you know, they, they have all the right marketing elements in place. Um, so it felt like, you know, the right time to move towards a revenue marketing transformation for them. And, and when we were having the conversations, it was very exciting. Now you get into an organization and you start, you know, you, you, you look behind the closet doors to find out what's actually happening. And every organization's different. So every organization has a different level of marketing literacy and they have a different level of um, marketing maturity. And so, you know, I, I think most marketers do this. We understand, you know, the crawl, um, the crawl, walk, run approach. Mm -hmm. And I, th yeah. I think that, you know, that it's important um, when you map out where an organization is in terms of, you know, their infrastructure, their marketing resource knowledge, their, uh, the way that they approach inbound marketing, how they approach um, content marketing. Um, I think it'll, you know, help map out the transformational stages that you can you can run to and those that you need to walk to within an organization. Mm -hmm. So at, um, at de facto, what we did is we performed a, a marketing audit to really assess, you know, the, the risk aversion uh, state that the organization was in mm -hmm. from a marketing perspective and uh, you know, what the pace of change could be. Um, and, uh, and then also having to demonstrate, uh, you know, where I think the impact could be made and at what point, what inflection point would say, okay, now we're switching over to marketing contributing X number of uh, dollars to the pipeline and X number of dollars in revenue. And they were very excited about that, that possibility. Um, but there was so much work that needed to be done. And I think that 
And I think that this is common amongst most organizations. There are a few areas that are critical in order to adopt a marketing um, transformation. And I think that the first one, and we had to do this here, was go beyond your typical buyer persona. You had to, I think every marketing group out there has their buyer persona, whether it's, you know, an entire slide deck or it's, you know, one slide per persona where you talk about, you know, who they are, you personify them and you talk about their imperatives and their day-to-days and, you know, what university they went to, what salary range they make (laughs) and, you know, all those awesome things that are super important. But I don't think that we take it far enough. And that was the case here. We needed to expand on our, our buyer persona and the journey that they're taking. We had to really do a deep dive into um, what it was that our customers needed from us and, and how we can map that out across the entire buying experience and how we could align sales and marketing to that buying experience. Because prior to that, we were very much a, you know, marketing is contributing amazing stuff at the top of the funnel and we're helping support the brand and we do sales enablement, but it wasn't a cohesive program um, across the entire buyer journey. So we took the time and, uh, you know, I sat down with the sales team and I spoke to them. I sat in on prospect calls I met with clients and had conversations with them. I met our delivery team and asked them, you know, what are the biggest pain points you're seeing after, um, you know, a, a client is, is completed a project. And we, we, we took three days to sit down and really deep dive into what our customers are experiencing and, and how they go through each stage and how we can help progress them through each stage. So I think that, you know, if you don't have the right content assets or even just the engagement path, it's a disjointed and often super frustrating experience for the buyer. And um, I think that there's a, a level of education that that is required within the organization to understand that this is how we're going to achieve greatness um, by aligning to their experiences. And this is actually interesting because it's it, it leads me into another kind of barrier that a lot of people experience. I did mention that my organization is super open to change and to adopting marketing. And I don't think they would have hired me if they weren't. But something that is so critical is making sure that there is transformational leadership at the top, that the executives, including CEO or the founders or whoever it is, they need to buy in that this is important. And the reason why I say that is because I think Revenue marketing is a strategic organizational decision. It is not just changing a campaign or, you know, putting in particular metrics in order to measure pipeline. It is something that needs to be adopted across the entire organization in order for it to work. And and in addition to that, I also think that the executives need to understand that there are going to be barriers and they have to help us break those barriers down. And so I think having the right people in the, you know, in the executive supporting it, I'm not talking about like the CMO, the CMO is often the one who is encouraging the change. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have that transformational leadership across the executive at the top, you will have a, a, you know, only half implemented um, revenue marketing transformation, and it just will not work. Um 
And then the other, I got, I have so many of them and I could stop talking at any point, but um, there there are two other things that I think, you know, at de facto and, and across most, most organizations um, that are key to having a, a revenue marketing transformation occur. One is making sure that you're using the data to connect all the diverse data points. And I say that because I think you need a complete picture of the current state of business. You know, I was saying that we want a complete picture of our customer's experience as they buy with us. I also think that we need to understand um, any trends or um, behavior changes or, and I would say like particularly now um, in this, you know, new world that we're facing, we need to understand what what our buyers are going through. And this data that we use and analyze um, can be drawn in real time. It'll enable faster, better decision-making capabilities. And, you know, it will help marketing and sales uh, assess the trends and deliver that relevant, engaging experience. Um, And it'll drive the desired outcomes that we're looking for. So I think, you know, setting up as you mean to go by collecting the right information. And then the last thing, I will say, because there are a million other things I could say, but the last thing I'll say is that I think you need to have the right marketing team in place. I think you have to have um, a modern marketing organization, at least one that is um, operationalized around the idea of revenue marketing. And what I mean by that is you need to have people in place who understand the entire uh, revenue operations model. And my, I think my best example, because we were talking about marketing automation before, and both of us had early experiences with marketing automation. Um, I was surprised at the the actual trajectory of takeoff for marketing automation. I don't know about you, but when I uh, first started using Eloqua, I thought this is game changing. The entire world's going to be using marketing automation and this is going to be amazing. And I still find companies who aren't using it to this day. And I'm so surprised. And I tried to understand what it was that, that held, held it back. It had so much potential. And I quickly realized is that if you don't have the right team supporting, you know, this type of platform and, um, and marketing muscle, then you will not be able to execute in a way that makes sense and you will not get the value from it. And I, you know, like you have to, you almost have to become a a new type of marketer, one that understands as an example, content marketing, you need to have someone that can produce content that needs to understand the experience that you have to deliver with content and also has to understand how you can um, deliver content using the technology platforms that are, that are there. If you don't have that, you know, holistic perspective, then you are going to have a program that's only half executed well. And so I think, you know, it, you know, it's time for your marketing team to, to um, I guess, become more revenue rebels itself in an organization. Mm -hmm. So I think that if you have those four areas, if you understand your buyer, if you have the transformational leadership in place, or if you can get them there, um, if you are using your data uh, to make better real-time decisions, and if you have a really strong revenue marketing focused team, I think that you could start to see how this transformation could take place. And you can, you can see, um, I guess the, the living DNA of revenue marketing within an organization. Yeah, it's no small undertaking to get there. And I I will say, I mean, as you describe it, and our listeners are all sort of uh, listening with 
I don't know, just envy if, if they are imagining that this exists at some other, some company. Um, I think it does take a lot of work and we've seen that and we see a lot of fantastic intentions and then we'll see, yes, but I have to get this done, but I'm actually, my KPIs tell me I need to do X and, you know, I yeah. am, and so that is where it's, it is, you know, working with the executive and, and making sure that that there's a full buy-in across, you know, with the CFO that all of those relationships have been yeah. very well formed and everybody's um, sort of moving in the same direction. Um, and then also, you know, when you come into a company uh, to have a sort of modern marketing team, um, what we've seen really successful is pulling in people from, you know, IT or different mm -hmm. groups within the company that can bring in some fresh ideas and fresh thinking. Um, because sometimes, and this is maybe earlier days, I don't think, I don't see a resistance anymore, but earlier days, it might've been like, well, wait a second, that's not how we do it. And that's change and change is hard. Yes. I, I don't think that I had, I really haven't seen much of that anymore. That definitely did happen in the early days, yep. but having, having that team of people that can come together and complement each other's uh, talents and skills is still sometimes, I think um, one of the biggest uh, challenges, right? I, agree. But I really also like what you said earlier when you were talking about um, when you started working at De facto really looking sort of like getting real about where you're at now. What's the, what's the current picture? What's an acceptable pace of change? I like how you thought about it that way. So, so then you can get realistic in terms of, mm -hmm. well, it's not going to happen in 30 days. It may, it, but this is what we can do in 30 days. And then this is what we can do in 90 days. And, and in one year, this is what we should be seeing by actually you know, identifying what the impact would be of the change that you're suggesting. Yes. Um, all, you know, great stuff, great stuff. Um, and then again, as uh, you were talking about the personas, you know, I mean, I think uh, as we talk with folks around customer experience, because we talk a lot about about this as the marketing-led customer experience. Customer experience has, has been around forever. Mm -hmm. We've all seen marketing automation turn into lead management, turn into the customer uh, journey or lead, you know, I mean, there have been so many names. And I think now everybody's talking about the customer experience and truly, truly getting it. And it's taken a long time, but it's very yes. exciting. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I think a lot of people maybe forget to do, and this is an important part of what you just talked about, is you actually expanded those personas by talking to the customer. No assumptions there, right? right. It's sitting yes. there, listening to calls, talking to product, talking to the customers, and pulling all of that together and synthesizing um, and developing what does that real customer experience look like? Because early days, there were millions of assumptions. I think it was just sort of like, well, they're, they're going to click this and then they're going to click that. And then they're going to get this mm -hmm. email and this email. So there was a very linear way of thinking. And sometimes that that's all that the, the technology could give you. But now with the technology that we have in place, it can be, you know, the spaghetti bowl uh, sort of idea, right? It's just sort of yeah. this interwoven web of um, activity and engagement, and it's very exciting. But still, it does uh, require a lot of effort um, and time and thinking and creativity. It's true. Um, yeah. 
So what would you say, you know, of all of these that you were just talking about, what would you say is the single most challenging barrier to getting a company into a place where they could call themselves those revenue rebels, right? A, a revenue marketing company. Yes, I think that, I mean, actually, it's a pretty easy <laughs> answer, in my opinion. I think um, of the four I mentioned, three are very much uh, in the hands of a marketer. We can look at data, we could build out the persona, we, we buy in, we get this, you know, all smart marketers understand that this is the type of thing we need to do in order to see success. The part that I think is most challenging is getting that the, the leaders buy in. And unfortunately, they do have the buy-in, but we use, you mentioned this earlier. They, they, they're excited. They understand. They see the value. You wouldn't be there if they didn't. They wouldn't be supporting, um, you know, a MarTech budget if, if they didn't think that there was potential. The problem is, is that there are other competing priorities. Mm-hmm. And it's when you start to lose the momentum, because it does take time, a, a revenue marketing transformation takes time. Um, and, and for some, you know, more time than others, and you need to maintain that momentum you need to get through. I have in my mind, there are five stages of, of marketing transformation and you need to, you know, do your best to leapfrog through all of them, but do it well at each stage. And, um, sometimes this could take a year or it could take more and to, to continue that momentum, uh, you need to, you know, you always need to be present and demonstrating the wins and demonstrating the value to change to your executives because they do have competing priorities. They do have, you know, other other areas that they need to focus on. And so I think that if you start losing that, you know, transformational leadership, it becomes a, a very much an uphill battle to get you through to this. Yeah, I would say that's the single most difficult. I absolutely agree with that. I think that the, the other work is... Um, there are models, methodologies, processes that, that we can go through and be really, really successful. Yes. Um, but if you don't have the, the buy-in at the leadership level, that's, it's going to be really tough. Right. And, and the thing that yes. happens, and I think what's really critical, um, is to be very empathetic to what are your internal customers going through as well and what's yes. their experience. So, designing um <laughs> as you're designing the customer experience and the trend yes. that this marketing transformation also thinking about the internal customers thinking about the executive yes. thinking about your sales teams thinking about the different teams on your within the sales organization but with the executives you know there are times when when we're working with a company and they're they're set in, on one path there's a new opportunity or there is a shift in the market yeah. and they have to completely pivot into another uh, way of operating or, yeah. um, you know, make massive changes. And, you know, frankly, that's what we're seeing a lot right now. That's happened yes. to a lot of companies um, over the last couple of months and is likely to continue. And we have to really be empathetic, I think, because, they're also answering to the board and other yes. stakeholders and shareholders. And, and they're also looking at it from a very, very different lens. And so I think patience and understanding. So I totally agree. You always have to be demonstrating the value and, and the wins. So bringing that in front, all, you know, sort of constantly, but then also looking at it from, okay, 
what matters right now to the CEO. Yes. Because us marketers, we would just love to transform every business we touch into, you know, this a revenue marketing organization and we've got that roadmap and we're ready to go. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it can be very exciting. And I just wonder sometimes if as marketers, um, we're so we're so excited about the opportunity that um, we might become a little impatient as we're trying to get this going. You know. Yes. Oh. Yeah, I agree. I, I can see that. I know I've been there. I've been there. You know, if you if you just want to stay committed, we could have this done in in no time. <laughs> but it's not like that. It's you know, it's not no. like that. We do have to be patient. Yeah, it takes it does take patience. And then also when, you know, some of our some of the clients that we work with are international. So it's not, it's also you're changing um companies that are on different continents, uh, that are in have different cultures different languages, um, even sometimes different ways of operating if they're in, um, you know, another business unit or a subsidiary. So, you know, there's, it can become so tremendously complex that it's important to, as you were talking about at the beginning, get real, write it down, um, you know, just put it on paper, get really clear. uh, Because having that plan, I think is, is what's going to help you be successful. And, and also, I think having something early days will also enable you to be very agile. You're very plugged into the marketing space in terms of knowing a lot of people and being connected with a lot of folks. Have you been talking with folks about how they're having to, to shift what they're doing and how that's impacting their, their world right now? Oh, absolutely. I mean... As the rest of the world uh, is being, you know, flipped upside down, so is marketing. And it's it's scary times a little bit, you know. Sometimes when there's a downturn in economy, you can see that um, marketing is one of the first budgets to be cut yeah. because of fear. Yeah. And yeah. so so I am seeing that um, from that perspective, that yes, it's, it's um, interesting times. We need to demonstrate, you know, the the value of marketing during times like this, you know, those that, that continue to build out marketing efficiencies and continue to look for innovative ways to go to market without uh, becoming a cost center to the organization will be the ones that come out of this successfully. But this is, I mean, we're in a new world right now. We don't, we don't know what's, what's going to happen. This is new to every single business out there, every industry, every marketer. And, um, you know, the assumptions we used to have about marketing are are changing now like you know like a perfect example is we wanted to run a webinar uh, over the next couple of weeks and uh you know usually we would take you know four to six weeks to to promote our webinar and now we're we're you know a week in promoting it and seeing the same success like it's just it's a different world right and so we are we're having to adjust one to the realities of the economy and two to the new realities of how um, our, our customers are experiencing us and our brands and our business and how we need to approach them. And so, yeah, there's a lot of change happening and, and, and we're having to be agile and adjust plans. And I will tell you that I had proposed my 2020 marketing plan um, to the de facto team. Um, and then, you know, like most have, I'm sure, shortly after this pandemic hit and everything that we had planned has been adjusted or postponed. 
it is, you know, and now we're just finally getting back to um, setting the marketing infrastructure in place that'll help us build out our our revenue marketing um, mm-hmm. platform. But it is, it took us time to get through that. We needed to, you know, we needed to show our, our market that, you know, we cared and that we were offering value and, you know, not being opportunistic at all, but that we're here and we can help for real. And that, that took, um, you know, a pivot in what our plans were for marketing and our content strategy. And, you know, our, it was, it was um, pretty amazing to see. And yes, so uh, agility is key when you're trying to, to do, um, you know, a, a complete marketing transformation. You, you do need to be agile for sure. So uh, one of the, we're going to wrap up here in just a couple of minutes. Um, I would love it if you could tell us about some of the technologies you've been in this space for a long time, as we've Mm -hmm. talked about, we both have have talked about. In addition to marketing automation, I would love to hear, uh, you know, if you could walk us through or paint the picture of what else you're using within your marketing stack that really helps an organization move into being that revenue marketing company. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we talked about uh, marketing automation. I think that there's like, if you're looking um, at the foundational uh, tech stack, I would say that you need to have a CRM and a CRM that is actively used by um, the sales department. And you would have to integrate your marketing automation platform, two-way communication between the CRM and the marketing automation mm-hmm. platform. Um, and I think that uh, you do have to use, um, you know, one source of truth, which in my opinion is the CRM. We want to make sure you're, you're you know, measuring all metrics from the same de- data. And so, um, Use your CM for that. Use the marketing automation platform. And then I think that there's another core layer, which is the content experience platform, which is, you know, maybe new to some people. It's been around in my world for quite some time, <laughs> um, but it is, I think it's key. I think those are the, the three foundational pieces that you need to have. And I, I think from there, now I've been in two worlds. I've been in the world where, you know, I'm scrambling to try to convince an organization that we do need a marketing automation platform. Um, you know, I, right now, uh, we are, we are, um, implementing a marketing automation platform at de facto. Um, the next stage I want to do is implement that content experience platform. Uh, and then what I would suggest for organizations, because I, like I said, I've been on the other side as well, where we've had, you know, 200 um, elements <laughs> of our MarTech stack and we didn't even use half of them. Yeah. Um, uh, but we, how I, how I like to run my MarTech stack is uh, once you've mapped out your buyer journey, you start to look for areas of opportunity or you start to look for gaps in the buyer journey. And you have to determine if you can fill those gaps using technology or if it's a process change or whatever the case is. You don't want to just be buying MarTech for the sake of buying MarTech. Now, like I was talking about data earlier. If you are, if you need to get deeper metrics and business intelligence and uh, dive deeper into the analytics and between your CRM and your marketing automation platform and your content experience platform, you can't get that data, then yes, you might have to turn to something like a Power BI or a Looker or a Tableau, or, you know, you are running a community or you have uh, customer advocacy as part of your program. You might have to look for a platform that would support that. But I think it needs to map, be mapped out to your particular customer experience, your needs internally. Um, so it's interesting because like I said, I have used many, many 
<laughs> marketing technologies and, and have found that most are exceptionally valuable. Uh, we had a lead routing uh, issue not too long ago, and we we found that we needed to adopt something uh, in um, in order to make it work. And so we adopted a company called Lean Data to help us remove the manual process of assigning leads to our sales reps. And it made sense for us. And it was a valuable asset. Uh, we would do every six months, we would do a MarTech audit to make sure that we were actually using the uh, technologies the way we should. We wanted to understand if our, our people needed uh, further education on the tool in order to get the benefits out of it. Um, so yeah, so I think that there's a foundational element. I think every smart marketing organization has the, the CRM with the marketing automation platform that's integrated into your CMS and you have a content experience platform. Outside of that, I think you need to find your unique needs and determine what those are for, like I said, where you are in terms of your marketing maturity, wh where your, you know, what your customer experience looks like and, and identify areas for, for uh, growth and for, and, 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 you know, filling any gaps that you might have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and layering into that, making sure that the CRM is actually used. <laughs> yes. I'll never forget. I was at a client. This had to have been eight years ago. I mean, it was quite a while ago. And we were at the, their sales kickoff. And one of the things that we were wondering about was really how used was their CRM? And, and, and you know, like, let's let's see how, how often it was used. And so we were in this very big room with, you know, probably you know, 75 um, account executives traveled in th from across the U.S. And the VP of sales asked, you know, if you use your, the CRM every day, stand up. Oh. One person, one person, <gasps> one person, uh, and it was awful. really telling. Um, but we kind of saw that yeah. we knew that it was going to yeah. be a pretty low number. Um, but you know, through the, you know, is there additional training? Is there more that we can do to make it easier? Are there processes that can be put in place, or other technologies that can automate some of these things? And and sometimes it's just overly, uh, it's been in, it's been implemented in a really technical way or or over um, architected. Um, but I like your your thinking in terms of content experience platform as well. Definitely an important um, an important foundation. This has been really fantastic conversation. I hope that our listeners will have learned quite a lot. I think there's so much in everything that you that you shared today. As we wrap up, we sometimes we like to ask a rebel segment um, where we ask our guest to tell us either about um, maybe a rebel inspiration, something that you know was from your very early years that influenced your professional life that kind of helped you become your the, the rebel you are today um, or a hero. So, you know, is there a rebel that you look at for inspiration or motivation that could be real or fictional? And, and who is that? So I'd love to share with us a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I had to say, I think I wasn't much of a rebel as, as a teenager. I was, you know, my parents raised me to stay within the lines and I did. I didn't become mm -hmm. a rebel till later. So I don't have any exciting rebellious teenage stories to share, but um, I do have a rebel hero that I am, have most recently become familiar with um, uh, as his role as the global innovation evangelist at Salesforce. And it's Brian Solis. Now he's not a marketer per se, um, but he is what he calls himself a digital anthropologist and futurist. And I, first of all, love those titles. Mm -hmm. um, but what he does is he focuses on you know, research and thought leadership that explores 
all the things that I find super fascinating, like digital transformation or innovation and disruption or customer experience. And he's looking into like the cognitive enterprise and I'm fascinated with cognitive marketing. Um, and so he, to me, is a complete rebel hero. Brian Solis, he's amazing. I think everybody should check him out. Uh, I actually really like his perspectives right now on, on what our new world's going to look like, the the novel or the novel economy. Um, it's he's, uh, he's definitely my hero right now. And I've got many heroes, but he's the one who stands out right now. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I love it. And by the way, for our listeners, um, Brian's last name is spelled S-O-L-I-S. Um, so definitely do check out what he is what he is up to. Um, I agree. Lots of very, very interesting reading and learning there. Yes. Well, Shannon, I am so glad that you were able to join us on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. It was really an absolute pleasure to hear your story, to learn about your thinking, and to really talk about how to transform a company into a real revenue marketing organization. Tell me, what is the best way for our listeners to reach you if they have any questions? Yeah, I think LinkedIn's probably the best. I'm on there almost all day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So connect with me on LinkedIn. That would be the best. Fantastic. Good. And for everybody that's listening, Shannon's first name is spelled with two ends, well, and then a third at the end. (laughs) And Google is D-O-U-G-A-L-L, as you can see on our website um, or on the show notes. But uh, hope you guys can connect with her. Thanks again, Shannon. And I'm looking forward to being able to stay in touch. Thank you so much. Big thank you to our listeners for tuning in to Revenue Rebels. Remember, you can get our show notes, links, and other content related to today's topic at demandlab.com slash revenue rebels. While you're there, let us know if there's a leader you want to hear from or a topic you'd like to hear more about on this show. I'm your host, Roan Morgan, and you can find me on Twitter at Roan Morgan. It's R-H-O-A-N Morgan. And of course, look us up on LinkedIn, look up Demand Lab or search for R-H-O-A-N Morgan. And finally, only if you think we've earned it, please head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us right now and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Until next time, Rebels, thank you. Thank you.